0: taking advantage of this deal getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year so go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now mahomes has the time delivers perfectly downfield touchdown patrick mahomes with a rope this one and touchdown this time going deep for Beckham jr Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotovis Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name's Colm Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined by my co-host here, one of the co-owners of of Rotoviz. it is Sean Siegel. We did a great show on Tuesday, in my opinion, it's a great show. In my opinion, every show here on Rotovis Overtime is a great show, and hopefully you'll agree with us. But we talked through why wide receiver isn't all that deep in 2021. We've talked about it on the last uh, couple of of off-seasons. I think it's uh, very relevant again this year. I would advise, to head on over and check that one out after uh, you finish up here if you haven't already we will actually have a bonus show as i mentioned on tuesday show as well a saturday podcast coming out this week with our contest winner from the episode 200 contest so looking forward to sharing that with you a bonus show this week as well today's show sean we have been talking and i I know sometimes the listeners love when you're in the draft or you're drafting with let's say like the one we're going to talk about today with blair we've done ones in the past with sam wallace or with Fan we kind of sometimes are halfway to, through a draft and we get to give a little bit of insight into your thought process. But on today's show, we're going to kind of go back to the draft we talked about last week in the road of tri triflex Leagues on the FFPC. We're going to go through the draft where pretty much you uh, took nearly no picks there uh, to start things off. You've stockpiled the picks and uh, you're ready to uh, start shooting those uh, darts now to, to see who you pick up. So I think today's one's going to be going to be an awesome one to go through. I know that the listeners will enjoy it too. So looking forward to this one.
1: Well, this has been just a crazy draft and these road of triflex dynasty leagues have turned out to be so much fun. I encourage all of the listeners to go check those out, find the entry level that kind of works for you. That makes sense uh, for your budget and experience level and, and all of that kind of thing. But it, it's just so much fun. And the owners in this league have been absolutely fantastic. We've had a couple of different teams start the process by going with six, seven, eight wide receivers. We know that we like that approach. We don't like to see it from other teams. One of the things uh, that can be fun, you hear all the time. And like we talked about on Tuesday, this idea of wide receiver is deep. Once a couple of teams in your league Approach the draft the right way, you find that wide receiver is not nearly as deep as what you were hoping. And so, so much of this idea that wide receiver is deep is based on the idea that people are going to draft incorrectly. And that's something you can't necessarily count on, right? We want to be aware of what we need to do if your opponents draft more appropriately. And so, this has been a fun league from that perspective. It's also been a lot of fun that we've met now several people who uh, listen to the show, read the site. Now there have been a couple of situations where it definitely appeared that our our rankings were being used against us, which is exactly as it should be. Right, you're a subscriber, you have our rankings, you're in a draft against us. I'll uh, make sure you take advantage of that. But this has been so much fun. One of the things that we talked about last week are really the, the main focus for the draft that Blair and I are doing is we've been trading down, we've been trading down, we've been trading down. We now have three first round picks next season, two second round picks, three third round picks. We also have a bunch of other selections. We're actually going to have 19 selections in the 2022 draft. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those we can actually use. In this startup draft, we now have, I believe it's 16 picks in the first Uh, Well, at one point, we're up to 16 in the first 10. Now I think we're at like 18 in the first 11. We've got a couple more picks coming in rounds 12. Now the flip side of that was that we didn't have a selection in the first three rounds. And the first couple of players that join our team are Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. One of the things that we were hoping to do here with how RV Triflex ADP has been set up with these wide receivers still falling, even though the difference in format between this and the standard FFPC Dynasty League is really pretty significant, but to try and get a couple of those young running backs if it worked out, if we didn't have to overpay, and that that would be a little bit of the foundation for our team in that in Dynasty, you need to have the a better team than the best possible redraft team. We also wanted to have running backs to where we could get back out of them, right? Almost any running back that you get In a dynasty league, you're going to get stuck with in one way, shape, or form. You're going to be tempted to hold them until they don't have enough value for you. But then once they don't have enough value for you, then you can't get trade value back out of them. We're thinking that ETN and Williams will be viable starters, at least in the second half of 2021. And they'll be very tradable going into 2022 unless disaster strikes. But even someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire going pretty early, has a lot of trade value. You look at the second round of this draft and you see Cam Akers, you see DeAndre Swift, you see in the third round early uh, J.K. Dobbins. So we know these guys in year two are very likely to have a lot of trade value. So even though wide receiver is the focal point of what we want to do, those guys really the foundation there in round four.
0: And it's that part as well, Sean, I suppose for the listeners is, If everyone's going for wide receivers, that's going to push those basically the opposite of what we're looking for in our zero RB builds. Is going to push those running backs down a little bit. So then, those I'm sure that's part of your process is those guys became values at that right point where you weren't taking them above ADP or at ADP, you were getting that uh, extended value on them. Then,
1: well, we would like to say that that is the case. This draft, again, I think that just so many of the other players are doing a great job and kind of understand the trajectory of players and the trajectory of trade value. And so it was a very youth oriented draft. We actually took both of these guys a little bit above ADP or we didn't actually hit ETN. He was drafted by someone else. We made a trade for him, which that can always be a little bit difficult, but as we continue to trade down, we were able to get more and more picks uh, tight ends that we wanted like TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews went off the board But then in round six, when we really started to get some selections, we picked Devontae Smith with the 6.03. We took Noah Fant, who really is one of our main targets, the guy we're loading up on in in all formats this season at the 6.04. And then again, moved down, picked up some more value, uh, turned some of those sixth round picks into seventh round picks in round seven. We took Mac Jones. We took LaVisca Chenault. A little bit of a reach on Chenault there, but again, some of the young guys were going. At that point, Rondale Moore and Elijah Moore had already gone, right? And they have round nine and I think round 11 ADPs. Now, where they went in this draft is going to pull them up a little bit, but then a little bit later, Bateman went in round seven. So you're seeing some of these very exciting, dynamic, probably undervalued rookie wide receivers go early in our particular draft. And then as we move back into round eight with the 804, we selected Juju Smith-Schuster. With 806, we took Daniel Jones. A little bit later in that round, we take Debo Samuel. We deviated for a moment, took Michael Carter. And then coming back around in round nine, taking Derek Carr, Tyler Boyd. So looking a little bit here at the QB position column, what, what are your thoughts on this? Now, we know that quarterbacks were eight of the first 10 picks. We know that we had three more quarterbacks in round two. Once those quarterbacks are gone, then you're not going to be drafting players later and sitting there saying to yourself, oh, you know, we've got a bunch of studs. We're all set. Uh, this is a no-brainer. We're going to win from this. At the same time, if we're getting quarterbacks in round seven, eight, and nine, and we feel okay about them, maybe that's a viable approach. What do you think about starting your team your dynasty for the next six seven ten years with jones jones and carr knowing that mac jones probably not going to have a ton of value early on as a rookie daniel jones there are questions Derek carr is a low upside starter but at the same time all three of those guys could still be on our team seven or eight years from now.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Just to circle back, I didn't realize it was possible to reach on Chenault. I thought like no matter where you picked him, that was the, the perfect spot to pick him up. But uh, I don't know, uh, Peter Oversett mightn't be too pleased with uh, us and that there's a possibility to reach, but uh, I'm pretty happy with that pick. Way look, though, you mentioned Mac Jones. Uh I think the the long-term value is going to hold there. So let's say he like he's not been drafted in a similar situation to... Let's say Jordan Love, where the value plummeted from the start and has never recovered. Now, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, that might recover a little bit, but obviously the reports around him haven't been all that glowing in terms of what people have seen in, in training camp and things like that. He didn't suit up last year. Mac Jones, I think, you know, people are expecting him to be this kind of little bit of a a build to when he's actually going to be the starter so we'll see how that goes Uh, I think Daniel Jones is somebody who like we could see a real springboard in his value this year I think it's make or break they have put all the pieces around him he's either going to go in and he's going to be the Daniel Jones they thought they were drafting a couple of years ago, uh, where we've seen some flashes, or he's going to fall flat on his face and the value is going to be completely gone, uh, pretty quickly. But I'm pretty optimistic on Daniel Jones. I think there's a like a lot of the skill position players um, in New York uh, with the Gi- Giants are going to, you know. I have a lot of optimism for them, and a lot of that's based on him then being the person serving up those uh, targets and fantasy points for the Giants. So I- I'm still I'm still very optimistic on Jones, and I-, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's in that range where we're seeing somebody like a, a Jalen Hurts go in the fourth round. You know, he there could be a jump there in terms of his ADP over the the coming years. Still very young, Derek Carr, as you mentioned, you've you've mentioned him a number of times in terms of kind of that he's a bit of a placeholder but he's going to get you those weekly starts that you need in terms of the super flex leagues and uh, i think you can trust him there to, to kind of get the job done again the problem is is that value going to drop off but that's really what you're paying for and those first and second round guys is we're expecting them to be the starting quarterback without question for the next couple of years whereas we can't really say that about the likes of Kiar. Can't honestly say that about Daniel Jones at the moment, except I think there's still quite a bit of lease there, and then Mac Jones, we're probably not getting the upfront value from him, so I think in terms of the the long-term play, I think you've balanced out both of those options, Um, the one that I keep coming back to, and obviously the Julio Jones news over the last couple of days might affect this a bit, but I still am intrigued by Matt Ryan he went as the next quarterback after Mac Jones but I think if we're looking at upside in terms of in two years time or three years time or trade value I think Mac Jones has significantly more trade value even right now than Matt Ryan so I think in terms of the long-term prospects that is still a smart move there and that range that's where we've seen in these recent drafts that is kind of the sweet spot for those quarterbacks who aren't at the top tier but you can go kind of three picks in a row or three rounds in a row and, and load up on them we've seen you have drafts with the likes of tom brady sprinkled in there too um it's in that range where we're seeing maybe uh a ryan Tannehill and, and those kind of guys get sprinkled in uh baker mayfield carson went so there's gonna be question marks around them but uh, i think pretty pretty settled options um like the the thing here is is if you take one of those guys at the start, like you mentioned, you're having to really come back in here again and you're missing out on that value at the start. And as you mentioned with the moving down, the players that you've added in to build that squad up really put you in a strong position. So quarterback might have some question marks, but the other positions are are really stocked at this point.
1: So then, Colin, we can look at where we are now, the middle of round 11. And I think this is a, a very interesting roster, both in terms of what is the long-term outlook? Could we can be competitive right away? One of the things that Blair was talking about and listeners know that, you know, when you get an article from Blair, uh, it's just like unwrapping a Christmas present. He's going to be looking at is trading down actually a win now approach, right? And again, this all wraps back into this idea of the permanent championship window. We don't want to be competing just in the first year. We don't want to be competing just in the third year and four. We want to be competing all of the time but also to have multiple pathways to accomplish objectives you know, if things go wrong. So we've kept our own first-round pick in case these young guys do not pan out, in case there's not enough starting value on the team. But to give a sense of where we are after all of these trade downs, our starting lineup the way I currently have it entered is Derek Carr and Daniel Jones at the two QB possessions. We have ETN and Javante Williams at the running back positions. We have Marquise Brown, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel, and Tyler Boyd at wide receiver and at the two flexes. And then we have Noah Fant at tight end. That starting lineup, I think, is intriguing. I think that you can potentially win with it. Maybe not quite the total firepower of some of the best teams, some of the win-now teams in our league. But now we go to the bench, right? And again, we're still in the middle of round 11. There are 10 starters so once we finish with round 11, if no one had made any trades, we would just have one player on the bench, but our bench currently has Mac Jones who ideally will play at some point this year. will give some opportunities to score points. You know, when the other two guys are on the bye or if they get hurt, we'll maybe give some playoff upside. If he suddenly is better than Derek Carr at that point at running back, we have Michael Carter, an interesting player there who could be a big time performer for the jets right away. Obviously could be a complete bust, or the Jets' offense could be a complete bust, but Carter, someone we did deviate to take amidst this wide receiver approach. But then at wide receiver, we have Devontae Smith, LaVisca Chennault, and Jalen Rager all on the bench. And we have Mike Kosicki as our backup tight end, someone who could end up being very playable in those flex positions as opposed to being the backup tight end. And so right now we have really our, our two favorite rookie running backs. We know that uh, Najee Harris is the guy who's going earlier, but Etienne and Williams are really the guys that we're targeting. We've got the two most athletic tight ends in the NFL, or maybe the two most athletic guys with the exception now of Kyle Pitts. We have a lot of depth with players that we get on every roster, like a Will Fuller and a Tyler Boyd. Our very last pick right before the show started was Marquise Brown. Someone we were pretty high on last year and then had a poor season. Bateman and Wallace get added to that squad. We absolutely love them. I was talking about this with Blair kind of going through my rankings and realized that Brown is probably too low. One of the things that we like to see with some of these wide receiver depth charts is that when you get a good number two, and this is something we're also kind of hoping for uh, in the desert with the Arizona Cardinals, when you get a good number two that can really unlock the number one guy, as long as you don't have a bunch of peripheral targets to the third guy, the fourth guy, the fifth guy, I don't know that we have to worry about Wallace taking a ton of targets this year. I don't know that we have to worry about a bunch of other players being involved. If this this offense becomes Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and Bateman in terms of their receiving targets, we know that they don't throw a lot, but we also know that they don't throw much to the running backs at all, then maybe the volume is there and the efficiency again could be through the roof. Brown, for me, is someone who is sort of a low ceiling player for the full year, but is a high floor player for the full year while being a high ceiling player in individual games. Now, when you're going to have to fill out your starting lineup and when you have a situation like this where you have a lot of other options, then maybe he's mostly a frustrating player because he's mostly scoring points when he's on the bench. But he does give you that potential guy to go to, say, in your semis, in your finals, if you're an underdog, if you need to have a 25-point game and you think, okay, well, maybe this is the one where the Ravens actually do have to throw a little bit. Uh, they attack with him. You know, He goes off for 170 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Then you have that weekly upside. He's also someone where i think that this is likely to be the low point for him value wise for the next three or four years he's someone that gives us this window now in terms of age where his value should remain fairly steady unless of course if bateman and wallace come in and really are just so much better right away that he's not a big part of the team but you're talking about a former first round pick who's actually not been a bad reality player right through two years who is available there in round 11 our last two picks in round 11 Jalen rager First-round pick in uh, 2020 was a bust. Marquise Brown, 2019 first-round pick, who's been fairly solid. So even though so many of our wide receiver targets were picked, we're still looking to kind of grab the guys who have slid a little bit and to grab the guys here where some of those other teams are now having to pivot to actually fill out their starting lineups, right? If you didn't have a chance to have so many extra picks, as we were fortunate to have then you're having to fill out running back. You're having to grab your tight end. You're having to make sure that you have addressed the QB position. And so you can't continue to hammer wide receiver as we've been able to. Now, I don't think that whether or not this is successful is a question that we can answer today. But I do like the depth this team has. And I like the youth from the perspective of, I like these guys. I don't want to draft just young guys for the sake of drafting young guys. I think that once you start doing that, then you pick a bunch of players who aren't particularly good and you're really not trying to take flyers. You're trying to take guys who are good players and young players and have a lot more upside than downside, uh, not just from a scoring position, but from a trade value perspective in a format like this, where we start 10, we need to have good players throughout and we want to continue to churn our roster going forward. We want to be looking at not just the future first round, second round, third round picks that we've acquired, but that the players we have are going to be very tradable as well.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like the big thing about this is starting the 10. So when you have to have those 10 roster spots filled, like once you get into a bye week where you have two or more players, and this is without anyone getting injured throughout the entire season, uh, once you have those two guys out, if you don't have depth on your bench, it's going to be very hard then to have those weeks where you're going to be able to win through. Like, you're basically halfway through this draft you have a solid bench like if this was a redraft team you have your bench uh, set up basically at this point and we still have so much further to go and um, so you're going to be able to cover those buys, cover those injuries and you won't have the very top end talent in terms of who was in those kind of first three four rounds but what you are going to have is the consistent depth throughout the team and have those guys with the high upsides as well like if we look at uh, the player profile as well i know we can say uh you know Derek Carr is not a young player. Tyler Boyd's uh, no longer a young player. Uh, Will Fuller's uh, a veteran, but in terms of where they are in their career now. And we look at guys like Devontae Smith, like Schnoth, like Rager, even Noah Fant, uh, Debo Samuel. like the, These are all guys who should fit into that window where over the next two or three years can possibly be moved for much more uh, and still have success while they're playing. Running backs are, are three young rookies. You know, there's just so much to like about the team. And you mentioned Fant and, and Gesicki, and they're two players in basketball again this year that I'm targeting quite heavily. You mentioned the athletic upside off them. We've seen flashes. We've seen it sometimes from uh, Gusecki and Fant a little bit more consistent. Uh, I'd say Gisicki has been more consistent out of the two, but the upside of those, and, and especially when we look at the tight end position, we're looking at guys who are going to be able to uh, put up points. Sometimes with the tight end, it's just about putting a body in there who maybe can get to that touchdown. But when you look at Fant or you no, know, they do have... You know that 100 yards or close to 100 yards upside with you know uh, you know five six catches and a touchdown, so they can really break those weeks for you, uh, especially when your you know competition doesn't have the same depth at tight end. So I'm intrigued to see Sean where this team finishes up, but in terms of the profile of the build and and you know trying to set yourself up where you can be competitive this year, but also down the line can move these guys. Uh, I think it puts you in a really strong position, and um, so I think so far it's a really smooth job. Uh, I am biased, obviously, but uh, I think with yourself and Blair drafting together, uh, I wouldn't expect anything less. But to see that uh, approach where you've traded back so much, um, and then this is kind of the the proof of the pudding, I guess. Well, the proof of the pudding will be at the end of the season, but in terms of what the roster looks like so far, um, it's coming together pretty strong.
1: I I think so. I hope so. One of the things that we need, we need a couple of these wide receivers to take a step forward. And... That's, again, where having a lot of pathways is helpful. If we only had five legitimate starters and you're looking at Juju Smith-Schuster and you're thinking, well, you know, maybe last year was what he's like and he's going to have another season like that. He'll be another year older. And you know, that's not a very valuable player. But within the context of having already three interesting guys on the bench, then we can feel more comfortable with this idea of Smith-Schuster is still very young, right? Maybe he takes the step back up signs a big contract to free agency next season and is going you know in the third round of startups the following year. You look at people like Will Fuller and Tyler Boyd, not only are those guys uh, tend to be undervalued based just on what their scoring profile is, the slight differences in age between them and players who are going in a similar la- range, like a Galladay, like a Cup, like a Woods, that's still meaningful in that you can play them for a couple of years, have them be then in that range where you could still trade out of them, or even if you end up not trading out of them, that couple of extra years in this 26, 27, 28 type of time period, I, I think is very important. It can be tempting to look at someone who's 26 and is going to turn 27 as kind of past where we want. And he is past where we want to an extent in that, you know, he, he was, those guys were not the first guys that we selected, but the difference between someone 26 about to turn 27 and someone 28 about to turn 29 really fairly meaningful in terms of not only how many more years you might get before you're really concerned about the drop-off, but also what that trade value looks like, you know, if they post a big season, you know, if Tyler Boyd goes for over a thousand yards, hits double digit touchdowns because teams are just working like crazy to take away T Higgins to take away chase and Burrow is throwing on every play. Then suddenly, you know, you're looking at Tyler Boyd as this real star within this trio of wide receivers. You know, Will Fuller, really amazing season last year, and then goes and gets himself suspended, and then gets and signs with a team where you're not sure about the offense, you're not sure about the quarterback play. He comes out for a couple of games to start the year next year, and looks like that same guy. Then, you know, suddenly we're looking at Will Fuller as jumping, you know, two, three, four rounds, and so. We're looking at players and trying to understand their scoring profile, their age profile, and the different scenarios that could play out and how it would affect their trade value. Trying to hammer guys who the trade value has more room to go up than to go down, again, within the context of uh, in any given play, a person's trade value could go to absolute zero
0: so as we like to do on thursday shows we we tend to get some uh, listener questions in this week we had a full set of listener questions basically on the saturday show you're going to hear so we're just going to drop one in here as we get ready to uh, get close to the end of the second show of the week question coming in from matt irby talking about zero rb strategies and what we think of that there in terms of maybe some other formats and some other league structures so Obviously, we, his question is around the fact that we tend to talk about full PPR, maybe three wide receivers or flex or even two or three flexes. For those structures, maybe like we talked about today on the the triflex leagues, zero RB strategy is, is pretty much optimal there. Um, in terms of when we look at leagues, he's mentioned he's in some older leagues, Sean. Um, some of them running back you know, 15 years and playing on some of the, the old default settings. He's wondering, do or sorry, does 0RB still work in those settings or is it pretty much in those leagues where we have extra wide receiver spots, extra flex spots where we can really, um, you know, support the value of wide receiver by going 0RB? So I was wondering in terms of those half PPR leagues or the leagues with less wide receiver slash flexes, um, how that affects 0RB builds?
1: I really like this because one of the things that people will come to us with from time to time is say that, you know, obviously zero running back doesn't work because it doesn't work in this format. It doesn't work in that format. And yeah, I mean, that, that's the answer in many situations is that it, it doesn't work. And so I always want to make sure that people understand that we're not trying to force them to play it in leagues with shallow starting lineups or half PPR or standard. Now a deep enough half PPR league where you have some flexes, you're still actually going to get a lot of value out of going zero running back because the best wide receivers drop even further there. And so you can put together these pretty crazy teams. I know that Pete Overzet has had some half PPR, zero running back uh, success stories that you know are, are truly crazy. One of the things that I do like to emphasize when you're talking about some of the Yahoo leagues, when you're talking about uh, some of the ESPN leagues, I like to make sure that we're looking at the starting lineup, right? One of the things that I think, can get lost in discussions of some of these deep formats. And even just what we were talking about with building this dynasty team, where obviously what we're going for is depth, that when you're in a shallower league, then get those stars into the starting lineup. You know, make sure you get one of these top tight ends. Don't be afraid to get one of the top running backs. One of the things is if you're just like in a, a two, two, and one format, then, there's not that much value you can gain from trying to use zero running back if it's set up to where basically everybody gets two good running backs everybody gets two good wide receivers and then it's more a matter of trying to figure out you know how do I make sure I'm one of those players who gets the top tight end you know how do I make sure that I get a Patrick Mahomes so we know that late round quarterback is important in most formats We know that the sort of new scoring developments at QB are encouraging uh, fantasy managers to, in some circumstances, make sure they emphasize the QB. But when you're in a shallow league, you want to look at the draft tendencies of the other players and make sure that you figure out how to exploit that, right? So we don't want to be dogmatic about the approach just across everything. We want to try and figure out how in any given league we can win, understand our opponents uh, drafting strategies, their drafting tendencies, and to really fill out that elite starting lineup. The other thing that can happen in some of the shallower leagues is that if your league mates, you know, haven't maybe done as much research or they're focusing on names that they know they're focusing on veterans, then there's actually a lot of value you can get, in terms of first, second, and third year players in rounds eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. In some of these shallower leagues, I like to sort of pivot from zero running back because you know I don't like to do the same thing in every single league either. And I do like to own some of these, these star running backs. So it can be fun to play in these other formats and just to draft differently. And then to understand, okay, well, what can I do? What Where's my value really gonna come from in this draft? And maybe it's from taking a bunch of second year players in rounds eight through 15 that your league mates are sort of overlooking. And so there's not a huge value to going zero running back if you can crush people in rounds eight through 15, right? So we want to look at what are the exploitable opportunities in this particular format? Um, I want to make sure that we're not pushing people into zero running back in leagues where it just simply doesn't make sense.
0: Thanks again to Matt for sending that question in. If you do want to send any questions in for some of the upcoming shows we mentioned, we're going to try and do some bonus shows, a third show on certain weeks. Uh, maybe every week, depending on how, how it rolls out here. But uh, send us your questions if you want them included. We'll have more time to get to some of those. Uh, just send them my way on Twitter, at Over to Marland, Or you can send them to uh, through the email format at radio at gmail.com. We'll use some of the better... We'll use some of the best ones of those on the upcoming shows. That's going to take us to the end of today's show. As I mentioned at the start, we did have a show on Tuesday. Head back and listen to that one. We're going to have another show as well on Saturday. Um, so three shows coming your way this week.
1: And the show on Saturday with Alex was was fantastic. So make sure you do tune in and listen to that
0: yeah i thought alex uh really uh, knocked that one out of the park um, it's gonna be fun we were going to record for 15 minutes we recorded for almost 40 minutes so uh don't miss out on that one lots of fun topics that he brought to the table as always at the end of the show i'm going to give that plug drop us a five star review if you haven't already the contest may be over but we will have some upcoming contests coming up in uh, the coming months and of course uh we we like uh, to read those reviews as well we might read, read some of them on some of the upcoming shows So drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and of course as always you can get yourself that 10 percent discount to a rotavis nfl pass on rotavis.com all you have to do is enter the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for additional information That is going to wrap up this edition of the show. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, check out Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. Until we're back on Saturday with another show, have a good one.